0: You're listening to Deep Cuts with Antoine Reed. Episode 59 with special guest David Gomez from Escobar Cigar. Hi everyone, welcome back to Deep Cuts. If this is your first time viewing thank you for viewing and thank you for joining in in this conversation. Um, I'm Antoine Reed and today I have a special guest. is David Gomez from Escobar Cigars. So I'm looking forward to this conversation because David and I have not met yet. And many of the people I've had on Deep Cuts, I have met. So this is like a new conversation. So it's almost like a virtual trade show experience. So I'm looking forward to having this conversation and learning more about David and Escobar because they definitely have been in the news a lot (laughs) lately and very active (laughs) on social media. So there's a lot to kind of discuss, obviously. So how are you doing, David? And just introduce I'm doing
1: great. I appreciate you having me on today. It's kind of a rare platform to be able to talk about something I love a lot, (laughs) which is cigars.
0: Yeah. So how did you, I guess, give a little intro to who you are and you know, how, you know, what your background is, I guess, is a good place to start. I always say start at the beginning, so that's, <laughs> that's the beginning as we can get.
1: Sure, I'm just I'm just an old ball player from UCLA. So I came to to Los Angeles to play ball and never went home. Um, my you know grew up in Silicon Valley, so I kind of grew up with an entrepreneurial spirit. Parents that were in startups, the whole world's a startup there. Um, I did my own about 20 years ago. Started a company that makes software for the United States military. That's where I kind of cut my feet and I cut my marketing and, and how I go about pushing product development and moving products out to the market. So I had some experience doing that given the fact that I have loved cigars for a lot of years. I'm a big cigar guy. Been going down to Cuba and trying their cigars for a lot of years. Big fan of Cuban cigars. We started Escobar. I wanted something Cubanesque. I call it. Something uh, similar to my favorite cigar, which is a Cohiba Bajique. So
0: tell us a little bit about Cuba and Cuban cigars because we hear obviously all about it, but I can say probably a, a small fraction of people have actually smoked a Cuban cigar. Um, so what, what did you like about it? What makes it different from say a Dominican cigar or a Nicaraguan cigar?
1: Give us well, there, there's, there's a lot of people that give you a lot more detailed answers on why they love Cuban cigars. Um, but there's a litmus test, I say, um, You go to Cuba, you smoke a Cuban cigar and you find yourself smoking it down to the absolute nub without ever thinking about it. It is just so good. Uh, Although tobacco yields have been a little bit iffy out of Cuba, uh, they haven't done a a, probably a real good job of resting their fields. Uh, And that's why Nicaraguan tobacco imports has overtaken Cuba and Dominican Republic, for that matter, over the last couple of years. So Nicaraguan cigar imports in the U.S. now the largest uh, tobacco exporter would be Nicaragua now.
0: So when you said you you wanted to take that Cubanist style or the vibe from that cigar and transfer it into your own brand, how did you go, how do you go about doing that? Is it the blend of tobaccos you use or what is it?
1: Great question. Um, I, uh, you and I have talked briefly about this before, but I'm a really big fan of describing the cigars uh, similar to uh, um, fine wines. Um, never smoked a cigarette in my life, actually, which is odd, but I love cigars. Um, I don't drink wine anymore, even though I grew up in the backyard of Napa Valley. I just can't handle the sugar as much anymore. But wine is uh, an Opus One wine, for example, fantastic wine. It's not an Opus One grape that makes that wine. It's a blend of all the best grapes from that vintage that year that makes up the blend that makes up that fine wine. We could say the same thing about tobacco. Our master cigar craftsman is is fifth-generation Cuban. Uh, His family was part of that original exodus uh, in 1959 from Cuba, where a lot of the Cuban cigar makers grabbed their seeds, and they they ran, and they went to Nicaragua and Dominican Republic, but a lot of them went to Nicaragua. Our roller is fifth-generation Cuban. His blend is family proprietary, and it is proof's in the pudding. It's, it's, a, it's a very fine cigar. We're doing great with it because it's a good cigar. Um, we can market it with Nas all we want. If it's not a good cigar, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I think we nailed that one first.
0: So that brings us to the next question, which is tell us about Escobar. Like how did you come to found the company? How long has it, has the brand been around? How did it all start?
1: Great question. Um, we would love to tell this story too, because my, uh, my business partner, the co-founder, Mike McNaughton, he and I uh, were on a trip to Nicaragua just to kind of check out beach properties. His family bailed on him on 4th of July. This is like three years ago. So we started this about three years ago. Uh, Michael lost me in the back of a factory somewhere in the middle of Nicaragua for a couple hours. He couldn't find me. He comes, finds me in the back of a factory, rum bottles everywhere, cigars, we're trying different cigars. He walks in and go, ah, we got a new company, Mike. <laughs> so uh, it's just something we really wanted to do. And it really was predicated on that really fine cigar. Without that, without that cigar, we've got nothing.
0: What was it like when you started the company? Like you said, it, it kind of, you weren't really expecting to have your own brand. So what, you know, what did you go through at the beginning to kind of get it going and to get yourself kind of invested in really into the idea of going from being just a cigar smoker to suddenly being a cigar brand owner,
1: which are two completely different things. Yeah, very different things. You're right. It's a big it's a big transition to make that. Uh, and, and I'm not sure we had the idea of you know, making this into a full blown brand when we did it. It was just. I hesitate to say, but maybe even hobbyish in the beginning, three years ago. And we brought, uh, we ordered a bunch of inventory. The cigar was great. We took it back home into the States here and started marketing it to people that really knew cigars and like cigars up to and including Nas. Um, And the feedback, and I've been developing products for most of my career. The feedback, I've never had a product developed in my career up until Escobar where the feedback was almost 100% unanimous, like, wow, great cigar it never happens in product development it's very rare most of the time somebody's all eh, it's okay i like you know there's always going to be somebody at the center um but it was pretty unanimous and, and we really thought we had something tremendous in the, in the quality of the cigar based on that feedback it just started blowing up we we we, we figured there's going to be a better way to market this um And with the name of the cigar being Escobar and that being one of Nazir Jones's monikers, his musical monikers, uh, we thought it was a match made in heaven. So we wanted to, to, you know, go after a partnership with him. And it is a full equity partnership. He is a full full owner with us, a co-partner with Mike and I and Escobar. And we couldn't ask for a better partner. He's he's been fantastic.
0: And so you just met Nas or he just kind of you just kind of presented this idea to him. And you just kind of presented the idea, say, hey, you know, it's Escobar, you're Nas, this seems to go hand in hand. You've already musically made the link up. You know, let's let's do it. Is that how the conversation basically went or is it more involved?
1: Pretty pretty much. I mean, we, we had an initial meeting with his business partner. And by the way, I can't say enough about the business acumen of Nas and his team. Um, as you know, the original investors in Dropbox, Lyft. I mean, he is he's the quintessential entrepreneur in my mind. Um, and meeting with those business folks, and that's when I was really impressed by his business team. Like they saw the immediate fit. They they saw something that could be really cool. Um, they did, they were very impactful in us rebranding. Uh, so we did a rebranding when we brought uh when Nas came aboard as an equity partner. Um, and we're really happy with the branding now. I mean, the branding improved. He wanted something, kind of jokingly, he said he wanted something that would outcool Jay-Z's champagne.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so when, you know, I think in the cigar industry, we're used to seeing lots of different celebrities come into the, the cigar thing, and they, I don't know if this is like, other people have noticed this, but they they come in, they kind of put their face to it, and then Slowly but surely they trickle out for some reason and then they're not hardly involved. You don't see them with the product. How are you going to kind of ensure that Nas stays engaged in this product from start to finish so that, you know, you can keep up this traction basically.
1: We're not having a problem with that. It's it's a matter of how many cigars we need to get to Nas when he's got when he's out on tour, he's out doing his events. He's he's constantly he's bringing cigars with him. Cigars is very much part of his lifestyle. So it's not something we have to convince him into uh, continuing to, to promote the brand. He loves cigars, and it's part of it's kind of part of his persona.
0: It's funny because I feel like you all have a second brand ambassador, which is DJ Khaled because I've, <laughs> I've seen him post so much about Escobar in the last couple of weeks that you all have made the announcement. I'm on Instagram every morning and of course with my job uh, throughout the day, but I've seen Escobar pop up his videos all the time and I'm like, there they go. I mean, this, this is becoming like, you're, you're building your own little niche. I think mean, you need somebody <laughs> like Rick Ross, maybe next or, uh,
1: uh, somebody, I was like, "But
0: you're, you're building up a nice little niche of a, uh, you know, brand promoters." So has that? Have you seen like a bump from that? Actually, from them doing all these posts about it, or well, has I it mean, how, of you, of-
1: how can you not have a bump from a guy like DJ Khaled posting <laughs> with his number of followers? I mean, it's uh, same with Nas, of course. But uh, Cal, uh, DJ Khaled, lots of love to DJ. We we didn't ask him to do any of what he's done. He is just into it. He likes our brand. He, he he's into it. So we're not having to convince him or we're certainly not paying him. <laughs> He's just, he, he <laughs> loves it, man. So it's, it's a good thing. And, and that's what we're out there to do, to kind of build relationships. And we want to make this fun. We want this to be a fun event for everybody. And so far, it's been a lot of fun.
0: And I think the celebrity aspect is fun because you see so many celebrities putting their names and their brands to products, but they're typically not like cigars. There lots of celebrities go for the, like the spirit, you know, channel and and closing lines really bad, and stuff like that. And so what do you think? I mean, what's your opinion of celebrities, you know, getting into tobacco? Because uh, it can always be a, a touchy subject with their followers and stuff like that.
1: Great point. I'll, I'll lead you back to where we first got into the celebrity routine a little bit. Uh, our, our first year before we were really publicly marketed, it was our old branding. Uh, we were asked two years in a row to go down. Our roller came up from Naragua to the Bahamas, and we rolled uh, cigars on site for the, uh, the uh, Hero World Challenge PGA event uh, and for Tiger Woods' personal party. So we were working directly with Tiger's team on that. Uh, and, and it went off brilliantly. I mean, the, there are thousands of people at these parties smoking cigars. We've never seen anything like it. And it really kind of put us on the map. People started to notice us from that. But back to your kind of convoluted relationship with sports, that's a good example. PGA can't advocate tobacco. Therefore, Ty, Tiger, for example, can't personally advocate tobacco. Um, but, you know, somebody like Nas or Cal, people like that are certainly not constrained by that. But some of the athletes don't.
0: It's funny because I remember a couple of years ago, there was a famous now Cigar aficionado cover with Nick Jonas, and it was such a to-do because he was this younger you know, musician guy who's up to that point, I mean, if you have really followed him on Instagram and stuff, you've seen that he smoked cigars with, with his brothers, Joe Jonas and uh, Nick Jonas and everybody else and uh, Kevin Jonas, um, but they all were smoking cigars before then. <laughs> And then the Cigar Aficionado cover came along and it was this big to do because there were, you know, parents were like, you know, oh, my child looks up to Nick Jonas and he's smoking. But as you said at the beginning, smoking a cigar is is a little bit different, obviously, than smoking a a cigarette or any other um, tobacco product. So it just seems always interesting to me when celebrities do want to tip their toe in the soot. Cigar and tobacco realm.
1: You know, we don't have that limitation. We, we plan on uh, an intentional push into professional athletics this year. Uh, we're hoping to get in the Super Bowl, um, some of the local professional football, basketball, NBA finals. Everybody sees LeBron or, or Steph Curry smoking a cigar after a championship. We'd like that to be an Escobar for sure. So we're uh, working work some of those sporting angles this year. Uh, our director of marketing, uh, Morgan Smith, is, is phenomenal making that push for that.
0: Do you have any intention maybe of, uh, you know, as the brand goes on and you kind of introduce new lines and products of maybe tapping in some other celebrities to have their own kind of Escobar uh, line within the Escobar family?
1: It's possible. Um, That's actually, it brings up a really good point because there is a lot of expansion uh, available in this market. Um, What you're seeing in some areas uh, that are limited, uh, where where we make our cigars in a town called Esteli, Nicaragua. Um, it's right on the border of Honduras. It's a beautiful back volcanic valley that's very similar to the Vinales Valley in Cuba, where they grow a lot of the tobacco in Cuba. Rich volcanic soil, which is required for tobacco. Um, Honduras, a lot of the big cigar factories like Padron, uh, Rocky Patel have have factories on both sides of the border. They have a Honduras brand and a Nicaraguan brand. We could see offering um Honduran, a Honduran cigar down the road, uh Dominican cigar down the road. Those are some of the things we're considering. Um, but you mentioned that the spirits and celebrities. Spirits and celebrities is easy. Uh launching your own cigar brand is is nearly impossible. It's very, very difficult. Um, So there's a barrier to entry to a normal celebrity wanting to come in and have their own cigar brand.
0: And I think what else is difficult is simply launching a cigar brand like right now. But I know you launched a couple of years ago, but you were still probably um, dealing with the FDA situation as it was kind of blossoming into what it is today. So how have you all had to navigate Kind of the regulatory and paperwork because I know that that's part of the process but it's also part of the process that doesn't get uh, talked about
1: a lot well it's one of those things I just discussed a barrier to entry that is certainly a barrier to entry uh, because this cigar brand is it's grandfathered in under the FDA rules um, so that's very hard to do if you cigar a new brand you have to put it through a brand new FDA process which is a lot of money and a lot of time So it's not as simple for most people to do this.
0: Right. And, you know, I think, how are you reaching out to retailers with this product? Because obviously you're reaching the consumers, which is good because I always tell people you need that kind of full circle event. You have to have your product, which you have, then you have to have the retailer buy-in, but you also have to have the consumers to kind of feed back into the the retail because and that feeds back into the manufacturing because then, more consumers you have demanding your product then the more you can pump out to the retailers
1: great question um from our social media campaign, uh, things, great things have happened. For example, yes, we're reaching consumers, but among those consumers are hundreds and hundreds of cigar shop owners that are coming in saying, I'd like to be set up for wholesale accounts, I'm a cigar store, and we have a particular process. We put them through to verify that they're legitimate legitimate to reseller with tobacco resale licenses, which is required. But we've been spending this last month setting up hundreds of cigar shops around the country and the world, for that matter, you know, we took a, you know, 65 box order from Ivory Coast two weeks ago <laughs> from wow. a new distributor in Ivory Coast. So the, our reach is, is large right now.
0: I guess that is another good question. It's like, how do you take your brand international?
1: <laughs> because I think it's a
0: it's probably a whole nother uh, challenge uh, just getting traction here in the US, but then to be international. So how did, like, what's that like? <laughs>
1: That's a fantastic question, because, again, from that reach we just discussed, I can't tell you how many people in the EU, the UK uh, are saying, hey, I want to order a box, want to order a box, want to order a box. <laughs> and the limitations of us just shipping directly, we could certainly do it, but the customs restrictions, it makes it exceptionally pricey, really difficult. So we are in the process of, and I can't tell you who, but with several large um Brokers in the Geneva, UK, and the EU areas that would actually distribute through Russia, EU, UK. Um, yeah, there's a whole system being set up right now as we speak. So as we go into this next year, we should be fully deployed in the international markets.
0: Now, tell us about the actual product. Like, how did you develop the current blend that you or blends that you have out now?
1: Fifth generation Cuban recipe. <laughs> It's we didn't, we didn't reinvent a blend. This is a blend that we brought along with our master cigar craftsman. And again, this is fifth generation recipe, Cuban seed. Um, There are various elements of the cigar that aren't all Cuban or Cuban-esque, but based on Cuban seed grown in Nicaragua, uh, we even use an Ecuadorian wrapper and a Mexican wrapper on our different cigars. So the blend uh, does require a different binder, wrapper, and filler. And uh, what we use, I'd rather not say, but it's a proprietary blend.
0: Awesome. What's been your experience interacting with other brands within the industry? Because the cigar industry is very communal. So I'm sure you're not your own island and that you've had some interaction with one or two of the other brands out there.
1: Yeah, that's another great question because that's exactly what happens. I mean, we uh, I was down in Mexico City about a month ago uh, working with some potential partners out there, which would distribute one of the largest distribution companies in Mexico. Um, And the head of Davidoff, Mexico came to the meeting, wanted to be involved, wants to be involved. Um, I got a call from Davidoff, New York, Davidoff, Geneva, uh, wanting to work with us on this, too. So, yeah, I think there's more cooperation than I expected. I expected more competitive nature. I'm seeing a lot more cooperation.
0: And that's, you know, I always tell people that the, the industry at times can seem very divided, but it is, like I said, very relationships. It's almost like a Marvel movie like Avengers or something, because you'll see different (laughs) different big iconic people from different brands all working together and all talking together. If you're at a trade show, they are sitting together, smoking together. So I'm glad to hear that you already are kind of becoming part of that kind of network of uh, cigar businesses kind of coming together.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, again, I mentioned Morgan Smith who runs all of our digital marketing campaigns and he has been on top of the communication coming on, on social media. It's been tremendous. And that interface with other cigar people, cigar makers, cigar people in the cigar business is all coming together through social media. A lot of that through his efforts there. Um, and it's been helpful to have that level of cooperation.
0: And with that discussion about social media, like how do you plan to market your brand outside of social media or is social media kind of at the core of what you're doing? Because the cigar industry is very traditional in that you still have people who do print ads. You still have people who look for podcasts to kind of do kind of radio commercial spot type things. So it's kind of all over the place. So where are you with the marketing (laughs) plan for Escobar?
1: Without disclosing too much, um, (laughs) because I don't want to uh, tell everybody our our roadmap for the next year, but yeah, social media is our digital marketing plan. Our marketing plan goes well beyond a digital marketing plan. All the digital marketing plan is the cornerstone of what we do and certainly the cornerstone of our B2C or business to consumer, direct to consumer business. But as you mentioned, the the old school mentality in the SCAR business is actually very prevalent. And it's really prevalent in the B2B, the business to business aspect of things. So, you know, the trade shows, we'll be going to all the big trade shows um, next year. We've gone to a couple last year. That's where all the big vendors and players are. Uh, Not so much the consumers, uh, because I think we handle that through our social media campaigns. But our B2B is, is traditional old school marketing.
0: Uh, I guess I'm wondering, you know, you know, with Nas being involved, and we're talking about the traditional aspects of the cigar industry. I know sometimes the industry can get very picky, kind of grandmothery uh, about uh, cert- not want to be associated with certain activities or whatever. Do you have any of those concerns, or do you think people are going to be like they're just going to look at the brand and to see the quality, and you know, not worry about you know this being associated with a type of, a genre of music or whatever?
1: I think cigars goes well beyond one genre of music. I think cigars, and Morgan has pointed this out to me many times, cigars bring people together. You know, in my opinion, cigars bring people together. You go to a cigar lounge anywhere in this country, sit down and smoke a cigar, you're meeting a cross-section of America in every cigar lounge, and we love that. And what we're getting on our business, I don't think we're catering to one genre of People or groups of people, whether it's cigar aficionados or cigar novices, I think we were pretty. We got a pretty open tent.
0: And before we had started this broadcast, you were telling me about some of the future plans for Escobar. So, like, do you have any more cigar lines coming out, or just products in general under the Escobar <laughs> name? Like, what what are you getting ready to play in and get involved
1: with? There are a couple things on our plate. Uh, I can mention them at a high level. I'm not going to get into too much detail, but one of the big elements we plan to launch next year is going to be Escobar blunt wraps. Wow! Uh, very, very hard to get product here in the states and elsewhere, and even Mexico, for example, um, is finding to legalize cannabis next year federally. Um, the blunt Rat market. We're not. We're not saying we're getting into the cannabis market, but the the what's lacking in the market right now. People take a a 7-Eleven Backwoods Cigar from 7-Eleven, they rip out the middle and they use that as their wrapper because they want pure tobacco leaf, even though that's not a great quality tobacco leaf, but it's still pure tobacco leaf. Uh, people can't get those, and they certainly can't get it at a high quality. So we'll plan on launching that probably in the fourth quarter next year. We're very excited about that. Uh, something we're going to begin development on next year, uh, plan to launch probably the next year after that, it's going to be the Escobar Ultra Blacks. Which is going to be our aged premium version cigar. So even though our cigars are a premium hand rolled cigar, the I would give you an equivalent of uh, I love a Padron cigar, for example. Padron cigar, their regular cigars are great cigars. Their Padron 1926 is a phenomenal cigar, <laughs> and there's a difference, and I'm willing to pay more for it because uh, it takes it's it's better tobacco, it's aged, it takes longer, and it's more expensive manufacture. So we plan to launch that, but we plan to start aging them next year, not selling them till the next year. So these are going to be well-aged and definitely a premium blend. So those are the two things we plan on launching in the next year, year and a half.
0: And with Nas at some point, do you ever feel like you might dabble into some other markets or industries? Like might, and maybe it's not under Escobar though, but maybe you might get in, involved in somehow into the cannabis industry. Cause I'm seeing a lot of celebrities Wanting for some reason not to get involved in tobacco, but they will have their own cannabis based product brand. Do you think maybe, or do you? I don't, I, d- I, d-
1: I doubt it. Um, cannabis market the people that do the cannabis market are very specialized, specialized regulatory aspects of it, specialized packaging. Um, and coming in as a me too latecomer doesn't really excite me, but you know, you never know. Um, I think this is more important to stay within our within our lane. Um, a blunt wrap is probably the only crossover, kind of kind of crosses over to the cannabis market, but is clearly just a, a tobacco product.
0: Now, obviously, you're very passionate about cigars. Love so, cigarettes. with me, with things that I'm passionate about, I always uh, am very protective of those things, and I am don't always want to cross them with work because it's very hard a tight line where. If you do something, you don't want to like get to the point where you're like, now I'm sick of it. So how do you find that balance between being remaining passionate about the cigars, but also about, um, you know, knowing that it is work and making, you know, making it a business?
1: Let me give you an analogy to answer that. Years ago, one of my first trips to Cuba, actually, years ago, uh, I did a tour of the Partagas factory. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Partagas makes Cohiba, Monte Cristo. Uh, the Partagas brand, is, of course, they're a nationalized brand in Cuba, but wonderful cigar factory. And we were doing a tour of the cigar factory, and there's one guy in, I, I don't know, you'd call him quality Assurance, I suppose. He was in the back, smoking one of every lot of cigar that came out. I remember years ago saying, I want that guy's job. <laughs> and all of a sudden the other day, I'm, you know, uh, I got sent a couple new inventory samples from a new inventory order, which I smoked because I, I probably had the best palate for cigars in the company. And, and all of a sudden I realized I got my dream job. <laughs> I didn't even know it. <laughs> So and what's that? that like? Yeah. So I'm not bored of it. No, I, I don't think any of us are remotely bored with the business. It's so it's just a lot of fun. This is a lot of fun.
0: And I think that's a key point is that you have to have fun with what you're doing, because I know that there's so many people. And there was some discussion on Instagram this past week about people in general, I guess, but about having keeping that passion for it so that every day kind of feels like that first day. Like you, had, you said, at the dream job. Like, how do you keep that? that passion and that interest going without burning out. And I think it's hard for a lot of people.
1: Sometimes, sometimes, but you know, I, I did, you know, military software for 20 years and didn't get bored of that either. <laughs> so I think, if, uh, you know, finding passion in what you do, uh, finding new challenges within the, within the market you're working, it's just always the key trying to get better at something today. I'll try getting better at this tomorrow. You know, for example, I'm, I'm, you know, at my age, I'm taking a, a full Spanish class right now because I got tired of not being fluent and dealing with the factory. And it's like it was, it was, I felt embarrassed by it. So, you know, new challenges. I'm taking on new challenges. That's kind of part of the fun.
0: Besides the learning of the Spanish part, what's something that you're actually really excited to learn about when it comes to cigars that you maybe you didn't know before?
1: <sighs> you know, it's funny. I learned a little trick all the time. Um, last time I was at the factory, our, our master craftsman looks at me and he goes, try this. And I, I take a bit of cigar and he goes, blow some out through your nose. And I go, well, why? He goes, trust me. So I blew a little bit out through the nose. It opens the complete palate, it opens the palate. up. New, you taste new flavors you've never tasted before. So I learned something every day. Um, you know, I've got a lot of great people around me. I'm learning new marketing techniques, blending it with my knowledge of old world marketing techniques. I'm learning a lot about cigars. I'm learning a lot about new blends. And when we go with this ultra black blend, I promise you this is going to be one of the best cigars that I will have ever smoked or I'm not going to get out the door.
0: And another part of the industry also is the collaboration part. Like once you kind of get into the industry, it's almost like you have to do your, your due diligence to get your brand to a certain point, but then it kind of opens up the doors to collaborate with different factories and different personalities and different blenders. Is there anybody that you're really excited about potentially working your way up to the point of, of doing a collaboration with?
1: Oh you no know, you kind of caught me on that one. I'm not sure I have an <laughs> answer on somebody I'd really like to collaborate with. I mean or there's so a brand
0: sponsors. you know that you want to kind of cross paths with and see. What what would the you know the collaboration be like you know between us these two brands?
1: I mean I think the only the collaborations we're working on right now are more business related, like with the, the the major power brokers of cigars in Geneva, for example. You know Geneva is kind of like the central hub of cigars in the EU, so those kind of relationships, which are a learning experience in their own. You know, I've never developed cigar partnerships before in my career. So this is a new one. Um, doing in the EU is is phenomenally exciting. You know, uh, opening up channels to Ivory Coast Africa, for example. It's like I never thought I'd open up a supply channel to Ivory Coast Africa. It's just everything's new every day. It's kind of a lot of fun.
0: In terms of the kind of cigars that you personally like, what's the last cigar that kind of really – besides the Escobar Cigar, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that, I knew it was going there. So what what's the last cigar outside of Escobar that kind of really kind of took you by surprise?
1: Cohiba Bahique, in Cuba, the ones right off the factory floor. Those, like I said earlier, it's like the litmus test, it's, it's plain. There, there are cheaper cigars I've smoked before where I, I put it down like a quarter of it last and I'm done. You will never do that with a great cigar. Not ever. You don't even think about it. You just, you're down to the nub. It's almost like you need a roach clip to hold it because you're not going to give up that last puff. It's that good. That's how I felt about the last Cohiba Bahique I smoked in Cuba.
0: And that brings me to one of my questions. I always like to ask uh, different personalities in the industry. What in your opinion makes a good cigar?
1: Great question. It's got to have the draw is perfect. So I've, um, I've, I've had some really good cigars that were poorly rolled in Cuba before, for example, and the roll matters. So you can take the best tobacco in the world and roll it poorly, and it's a poor cigar. The draw is poor, and therefore the taste is poor. So it always starts with the blend. Then it goes to the quality of the tobacco, which clearly is part of the blend. And then it's the rolling techniques. It's got to be perfectly rolled. It's For a cigar to get saleable, it's a six-month process. If you count the growing and fermentation, you're probably talking over a year. So it's a long process if you really think about it. Um, and every every part of it, from the fermentation to the drying to the aging uh, to the rolling, all equally important. And of course, is equally as important as the components themselves, so the blend itself.
0: And what part of the cigar making process do you enjoy the most? Is it coming up with the concept of the brand? Is it actual testing out with different prototypes? Is it the rolling? I don't think it'll probably be the rolling because I felt I went to uh, Davidoff's factory and we had to do a rolling mm-hmm. exercise. And it was like, for me, like the worst experience ever. It's I did hard, not right?
1: It's it, hard, right? It was
0: definitely challenging. And I remember saying, yeah. I never want to do this, <laughs> this part again. <laughs> That's not my thing. So which Those part people work you- very
1: hard. Those rollers work very, very hard. Those people are very skilled, and they work very hard. When we go back to the factory, we we really try to give back. When we're there, it's very important. We just don't take from a, a community. We want to give back, and and so we we spend a lot of time. We make sure our rollers are some of the highest paid rollers in in, in, in SLE. Um, we we make sure they're well fed, well good working environment. This is all very important to us. Then a secondary aspect, we haven't really gotten into this, but we support the local orphanages in Nicaragua. Part of what we do is supporting some of the orphanages in Nicaragua, the children of Nicaragua that are untended, uh, uncared for, these are the people that mean a lot to us. So that's part of our give back to Escobar, by the way.
0: And I think that's a good topic to talk about, is this social responsibility, which I think is the technical term for it. Um, Absolutely. Because you're always wondering, I guess some brands I know a lot of brands in the cigar industry that do it like, you know, Fuente and JC Newman have the cigar family uh, charitable foundation. You have other brands that continue to give back. You got cigars for warriors, you have Drew state, you know, and different um, brands outside of Drew state also supporting cigars for warriors. So it's that social responsibility that I don't think gets talked about enough in the cigar industry. Cause I think, you know, whenever you hear about it in the main news, it's, Usually, you know, all doom and gloom and, you know, they're trying to get your kids hooked. And it's not <laughs> any of this, like, what response, you know, what are they doing out, you know, to help the communities that they're in?
1: Well, you know, I just, I, the, the community of Nicaragua very similar to Cuba in a way. They're, they're some of the happiest people. I mean, they're poverty stricken, but um, I was always amazed in Cuba that, that some of the most poverty stricken people, some of the happiest people I've ever seen. You know, and, you know, it's just a really good reminder that it doesn't take money to be happy. (laughs) These people are happy regardless. And the responsibility, the aspect of what we do, we we come into Nicaragua and we've created a, 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 a growing brand. okay, and that doesn't mean anything to me if I know there are a bunch of kids in that city that don't have, I, the, the priest called me from the orphanage last year. He goes, they don't have any play balls for the playground. They don't have any crayons, coloring books. So we brought just boxes and boxes of supplies, just simple things. So yes, we could, we, yeah, and probably will create a charitable foundation down the road. But right now this is kind of a grassroots, simple give back. This is just making sure every orphanage we can get to is well supplied, have things they need, you know, hair ribbons for the girls. Sometimes it's little tiny things it doesn't take much to make a lot of people happy.
0: Yeah. And it's like you said, I think it's important for companies though, to build in social responsibility to their business plan in, in some way. And we have, yeah. Yeah. not And, and definitely. So, you, you know, what, what's been your experience? I always have to be careful about how I ask this question, but what's been your experience coming into the cigar industry now as, a brand owner like now you kind of get to see behind the curtain a little bit because i think a lot of cigar smokers probably go to one or two websites they see the press releases and and, you know they follow the brands on social media they see what looks like a a very fun party atmosphere all the time like you're always in some cigar lounge smoking cigars (laughs) and kicking it back and at this big party with all these different personalities but what's it been like like was there anything about the industry, like as a brand owner, that surprised you, that made you go, wow, I had no idea it was really like this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we, we we struggle sometimes. Uh, the supply chain in Nicaragua could be difficult uh, if you don't have mitigation strategies in place. Um, so that part surprised me. There are always going to be people that try to... Uh, you know, we jokingly refer to it as the Nicaraguan mafia. <laughs> uh, they seem to control cigar boxes and cigar rings in Nicaragua. You know, we've got mitigation strategies for that, thankfully, but you know, they can't control the cigars, but they control the boxes. They can control the cigars. And uh, yeah, there's a couple of little surprising things in there. <laughs>
0: I've never heard about that, that, and I never thought about it. It makes sense though, that, you know, cause you watch TV shows and, and soap operas and, primetime shows i'm all a a tv person you know dallas and dynasty and all that kind of stuff so it seems like something that will happen on them like well you know they can't they may have oil but we're going to control the oil barrels and the the shipping you know and stuff like that so it seems funny that you say that because now you're like wow like yeah i guess that you know if you really wanted to you know kind of control the market there and you would you know kind of like you said, look at that, the box situation, or the, the labels and and kind of put a little squeeze on that.
1: Yes, that's a way to do it. If you can't control the main product, you you know, you know control the ancillary products and you now control the main product. But we, we didn't allow that to happen. I think that's why we're doing a lot better than some uh, in the industry down there that are suffering on the supply chain side right now. There are some suffering going on there. There's a lack of uh, a filler um, there's a shortage of filler. The shortage of, of uh, cedar boxes, <laughs> um, and it's and a lot of that artificially controlled and difficult, but not some of it isn't. Um, we we've we've gotten strategies around it. So we are truly a global. We assemble things, and if we the cigars are made in Nicaragua, we assemble them in boxes outside of Nicaragua. Who cares? Still Nicaraguan product
0: how did the pandemic affect your brand and your business a lot more people started smoking <laughs> so it was a it was a not a good thing good thing but it was you saw the positive impacts of the pandemic
1: well it was good timing for us actually because you know we couldn't do a lot you know i mean the uh, people were still smoking but we were still pre-launched with Nas. you know we launched with Nas like 64 days ago uh, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that's when we launched the company you know it's just that that's when we launched our main marketing for so before that you know and we brought you know Nas came aboard as an equity partner and wanted to redo the branding well let's do it in the middle of the pandemic we had a whole lot of time to redo the branding <laughs> it helped
0: so definitely because I know a lot of cigar companies have uh, or I should say tobacco companies uh, more so than cigar companies but tobacco companies have been releasing their 2020 financial reports and such and all of them have reported having that uh kind of bump in sales because of the
1: pandemic uh, yeah we were i would almost call it pre-sales for us so it wasn't really relevant for us i mean we weren't you know we were selling a few boxes here and there but we were still building up the the mark we were building up the plan to launch we we just weren't cutting off sales before that but we were building up to launch so our our day one was really 60 days ago, essentially.
0: And talk about the supply chain issue, because we kind of hear it being danced around in the industry. But mm-hmm. like so in a in a broad terms, like what's going on with that and what do you think um, we have to look forward to in like the near future <laughs> with, with is it going to get is it? getting better or is it getting worse or what's going on with it
1: i i'm more concerned about worldwide shipping challenges than anything else i mean that's probably the bigger challenge that everybody's going to face and nobody has an advantage over anybody else on it that's just the way it is um as far as the other supply side items i talked about such as filler or cigar boxes there's there's ways around that that's not stopping us up at all um, I'm not going to get into too much into the specific <laughs> mitigation strategies because then it won't be an advantage for us anymore. Uh, but we have a, a few ways that we're kind of beating our competitors to the punch on the supply side. So,
0: do you think the supply chain issue is going to get worse than what it is now? Because I know it's a big issue now. Is it going to? I think be- that
1: the shipping challenge is probably going to be very relevant challenge through for all, probably another six months. Mm-hmm. Um, the shortages, I think. Um, there's ways around that right now. So that will continue to be an issue on some of the tobacco short, not, not all tobacco, just certain parts of the, the cigar, the certain tobacco parts. There's been a shortage of crop yields were down across the world, things like that. But there's, there's ways around that. We're not, it's not slowing us down right now.
0: Now, also as a not new brand, cause you've obviously been around for a bit now, but as a brand, and you look at the industry where it is right now, do you have any big concerns as a brand owner?
1: Not really. Um, this, the biggest concern I have is still the shipping. Containers You know, outside of LA Harbor, for example, um, it's a good time not to be buying Chinese components, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, if, if somebody was relying on, on Chinese components for something, it just makes things a little bit harder.
0: Like federal tax wise or flavor ban no, I mean, or any of that no, stuff. Does,
1: does that stuff not, not fade you right now? No, it's more about the cargo ships, you know, sitting around LA Harbor not being able to get in harbor. You know, so the sure, stuff coming from China is typically to enter through LA Harbor. And I think, you know, the anybody watching the news knows the issues we have with the, the public harbors right now.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people though, when they think about the cigar industry in particular, they may think about things coming from Dominican Republic or, you know, so down here and they may not make that connection with what's going on, you know, in the L.A. area. So this true. what do you like? Just tell us, like, what aspect of that situation that's there right now? Like, how does that impact cigars? Because like I said, they think about cigars from South America or they think about cigars from Cuba or, um, you know, and they don't think, you know, cigars they are. In California is going to, you know, you from that shipping situation is going to be an issue, so they're not even thinking about that sometimes.
1: Well, you got to look at it component by component. For example, um, our our cigars themselves shipping from Nicaragua directly to our warehouse in Florida, and that's by the way that's where our shipping warehouse is in uh, Florida, near near Miami, Delray Beach. Um, Those are flown over. So when they're completed on the factory floor, we probably have them within four days in in Miami. So that's not a problem. There's no no problem on that supply side. But let's say I didn't want to pay the exorbitant prices for cigar rings from the Nicaraguan cigar ring makers. (laughs) And I order those from China for pennies apiece for the same quality. Well, that's going to be shipped on a boat from China, typically there lies the problem. So if you're going to have anything coming by slow boat, uh, especially into the West Coast, it's going to be a problem.
0: Wow. So so we, we might want to brace ourselves for at least half of 2022 being a little bit, kind of continue to be a little bit unstable in terms of getting product in,
1: is what you're saying? Certainly. Also, depending on where the product's coming from. Nicaragua is less of a problem, outside components outside of Nicaragua are a little bit more of a problem right now.
0: And earlier you mentioned that you that Escobar is going to be at some trade shows this year. So which trade shows are you planning to be at so that people right. can kind of put you all on the uh, on their, you know, stop by list.
1: Well, the two big ones for us, again, I don't think we're not going to go to the the, well, we may attend, but we're not going to go present at the shows like the Big Smoke, for example. The Big Smoke is really designed for consumers, um, and I don't think we're having a problem reaching consumers Uh, where we want to attack our trade show thrust this year is going to be in two trade shows. Mostly one is the PCA event in July in Las Vegas. Um, that those are mostly a, that's kind of a B2B show, which is what we want right now, international and domestic B2B. Um, the international version of that, which we missed this year because it got canceled during the due to pandemic, uh, uh, is the, uh, the one in Dortmund, Germany in November. Inner Tibet. So inner Tibet. Thank you. Uh, inner tobacco in November is our is will be our big threat. We really would have loved to have done it this month this year if it had gone on this year because it would have really kicked us off into next year early. But like I said, we've got a couple of partnerships with a couple Geneva based UK based companies that should get us by internationally for that. But P- the inner tobacco will really expand that in November.
0: I guess I know we're talking a lot about international stuff, which is kind of fun because that's definitely not the direction I. Thought we would go in, but that's great because I love unexpected diversions. But how do like international cigar smokers differ from those here in the U.S. from your well, experience?
1: Our international smokers are still fans of NAS. They're still fan, fans of DJ Khaled. <laughs> um, so, so the, the we are getting a lot of consumers in international countries saying, "How can I get your cigars?" Okay. Getting to them, getting them to direct is just not a viable policy going forward. It's going to get caught up in customs. It's going to get seized. You have to have a proper route through the through the international communities. And those routes are through those authorized importers. Uh, like we're nurturing down in Mexico now. Like we are nurturing in Geneva. Like we're nurturing in the UK. We go to enter tobacco. That'll just expand that exponentially. In
0: terms of escobar and the sizes of cigars that you sell because i know sizes is is, um in this industry size sometimes does matter (laughs) and you see a lot of uh you see a lot of big ring gauge stuff now you see lots of uh i think the kind of common size is either toro or robusto like how are you all kind of uh approaching choosing the right size for your cigars and not going crazy and just having like a uh size like every size under the, the sun.
1: Well we do okay with that right now. I mean we offer ten different types of cigars now. So we offer five Maduro and five natural types. Robusto double corona churchill double toro gordo and one of my favorites is a this romeo which is a double ended torpedo. Uh a lot like the Col- and how
0: is there a particular size that's doing better than the other ones?
1: You know, that is a very good question. And this, as much as I know about cigars, this answer still amazes me. Every roll tastes different. Mm-hmm. I can't explain why. I don't have a logical reason to tell you why it's so radically different. But the difference by like this 60, this is a 60 gauge double Toro Gordo, one of my favorites, which is similar to the Hike. Um, it has a different flavor than the same Maduro if it was a double Corona or a Robusto. And I love those flavors, too. And they all have different flavors. So I kind of go through all of them all the time. I don't really have a favorite of our rollers. They all taste different.
0: Is there a particular tobacco that you like to gravitate towards in a cigar or are you kind of like a free for all?
1: no like i said um the blend is most important so you know if there's a particular aspect of a blend that works um i, I don't know uh, a particular aspect of the blend um I, I there's not one tobacco in there that i would point to it's the combination that makes it good
0: in terms of future i know we're getting out to like the 10 minute mark so in terms of like the future Um, Obviously, Escobar is a very inclusive brand, which I think is important because the industry is is far more inclusive and diverse than I think than, you know, what it looked like in ads and um, media, maybe even five years ago. So how do you plan to get more, you know, get your product into the hands of more women into you know, like I said, in different venues? Like, what's your what's the plan? Like, are we going to see, like, product placement? Like, are we going to see Escobar in a Cardi B or Megan The Stallion video anytime soon <laughs> to, to make it cool? I, well, Like, what is it? Like, what's going on? certainly
1: going to try. I'm sure Morgan's on this call right now, and he's probably right now. But yes, he is absolutely trying to work with me. With uh, the women in the business too but I think we're both amazed when we sit back and think about this we see the traffic on our social media women love cigars we love mm-hmm. it <laughs> there there are a lot of women fans of cigars I mean there are cigar groups women's cigar groups um, different ethnicities within women's cigar groups I mean it is kind of all inclusive it's a little bit of everybody and it's fantastic we love it
0: You know, I have a friend in the industry named Erica. I don't know if you know her. She runs uh the Lounge Experience podcast. Uh, her and uh, Morgan May, I don't know. So both of them are like they know far more about cigars than I could ever probably learn in my lifetime. They are beyond cigar experts and they can tell you everything. So I always think about them because Yeah, because I'm I always because like I said, they know things and I think about people, um, There's a cigar blender named Indiana Ortez. I don't know if you've seen her on Instagram or know her, but she's a great, she knows, obviously she's doing some great blends and she's released some great products in recent years. So women really are like at the, to me, at the center point of the whole industry, like they make things happen. And whenever I talk to brand owners, they always say, like, remember, if you ever visit a factory is, you know, our factories are full of you know, women are making the products, so they know Absolutely. more about the tobacco and the manufacturing process than anybody.
1: I, I would venture to say that women are, be- are some of our best rollers, actually.
0: So what do you see is the future of Escobar? What do you want to see this brand? I know this is like the college essay question, but like, where do you see, the, where do you see your brand and like, you know, a year from now and then five years from now?
1: I mean, we want to blow this thing up. Um, we we want to put an Escobar in as many hands as we can. We think it's a good product. Therefore, we, we we want to put it in people's hands. We want to make it about the experience. We want to make this about a luxury experience available to anybody. So you don't have to be wealthy. You don't have to be a particular demographic. If you like cigars, welcome to our tent <laughs> We want to make this social and a social experience.
0: So, as a, a sort of elevator pitch, what's you know for somebody who's never s- seen Escobar, maybe for whatever reason they're not fans of Nas, what's your pitch for them? Why should they try this brand?
1: Smoke this cigar, I will guarantee you'll like it. <laughs> that's <laughs> what's that's really, of- I mean, that's really all we have to do in this brand. Is like, it, this becomes an easy pitch to people. Like, when we bring it to a cigar shop, say, hey, try a couple. Call us back if you want to carry them. They call us back every damn time. Like, this What's is this? fantastic. Where can we Where can we get it? How can we get it? Tell me what to do.
0: What What are the tasting notes for
1: your cigar? Tasting notes? Yeah, like, what do
0: people – I know in the industry people like to say tasting notes are, you know, oh, you could taste a little bit of cocoa or, or stuff like that. Like, do you all have that, or is it just kind of oh, try yeah. it and, and find out? For yourself, what it is?
1: Yeah, the, the Maduro blend and the natural blend have slightly different flavors. Natural has a little bit more leathery, a little bit cinnamon. Uh, Maduro has a little bit more of the cocoa, chocolatey flavor to it. Um, I don't want to say that this is a chocolate cigar. So don't don't get me wrong, but it has like just like just really uh, subtle flavors. Uh, so yeah, we have a flavor profile. We have tasting notes. Uh, one of the things we do, we work with a local uh, local brands for example like like this is a mezcal brand that we we work with and combining wines mezcals tequilas with the different cigars is something we're going to be doing next and and probably kind of launching some tasting notes on how these pairing pairing notes with things food and beverage pairing notes with cigars.
0: Well awesome. Now is there any so obviously you're you're starting to get the brand into to stores across the US so is it easy to find? Do you have like a locator on your, your website where people can look up the retailer or find in their area where uh, Escobar might be?
1: Not yet. What's happening now is um, quite frankly, it's rare when somebody goes, hey, I need a box of cigars like in an hour. Where can I get it? <laughs> Most people are like, hey, I, I need this for a birthday party this weekend. How can I get it? It's like order, it. it'll be on your doorstep three days later. Uh, and that's what most people are doing, but occasionally we will get people on our customer support line, through which you can access through the website, saying, hey, do you have any local cigar shops in our area? And we will point them to the, the cigar shop that carries Escobar.
0: What are the social media channels people need to follow and website address that people need to follow to kind of get more information about Escobar?
1: Oh, I think our, our big one, uh, EscobarCigars.com. EscobarCigarsPlural.com is our website. Uh, all of our social media handles on there, including our feeds. Uh, mainly our Instagram and Facebook feeds, which are also accessible from that website. Uh, but, you know, hashtag EscobarCigar, singular. Um, go to Instagram and you'll see all the, all the latest feeds. We're pretty active on there. Anyway.
0: And I'm pretty sure you'll see DJ Khaled and Nas pro- <laughs> in a new video <laughs> promoting it, uh, promoting the, the Escobar brand, which is, like I said, it's probably really cool for you to kind of see your, your, your brand go from concept maybe years, many years ago to finally being like, here you are getting promoted. Like I said, by all these big music uh, artists and, and personalities.
1: I mean, Nas is world famous. He's, he's amazing. So is Khaled. And the fact that they love our cigars, I'm thrilled by it. I can't, there's nothing. It's going to leave a big smile on my face. <laughs> well,
0: awesome. Well. I guess my last question is, since, you know, you're probably going to get asked this question a lot, but do you have a favorite Nas song or track that you uh, jam out to? (laughs) Uh,
1: I don't want to offend some of the other songs. So, no, his last (laughs) album, I I will refrain from answering that one. But I, I will say I was so damn impressed that he actually sang about Escobar Cigars on his last album. So I will point everybody to that song and I actually don't remember the title offhand, but it's, uh, I think it's the last track on his last album. And uh, was Sing this album F- uh, I don't have it offhand though.
0: No. Okay. but we'll, we'll definitely have to uh, check that out. But uh, thank you so much for coming on today. Like I said, I know this, you said this is your your first time doing a, a little interview about Escobar uh, through video. So hopefully it wasn't that bad. I don't think, uh, I think you'll probably be get pulled into many more interviews than you think, because this is uh, kind of the future of the the media side of the industry. We're moving. I think we're slowly, finally moving away from just press releases, and we're getting into like the real everybody having their own uh, interview and podcast kind of uh, experience. So
1: great! And by the way, the name of that song with Escobar on it is "Nas Is Good." <laughs>
0: Thank thank you for the person on your team <laughs> who helped inform <laughs> us of what that what that is.
1: Morgan handles all that social media, so I'm a little bit one step removed. I'm more on the organizational side, but I, anytime you want to talk cigars, I'm all over it.
0: Well, thank you so much. Well, awesome. Well, I'd like to thank you for coming on today, and like I said, uh, we'll have links to Escobar and uh, the YouTube channel when I update that, and um, we'll tweet this out and Facebook it out and Instagram it. And so you'll probably see this video all over the place, but thank you so much for coming on and talking about Escobar and sharing a little bit of information about yourself as well.
1: Antoine, thank you for having me. Uh, Anytime. Thank you. Great questions too, by the way. Thanks.
0: Awesome. Well, for those of you who are watching, uh, there's more interviews like this. You can go to deepcutslive.com. Um, we have a YouTube channel. We're on Instagram and you can follow me on instagram at editor.read. So ed- editor period read. Um, and we'll be back here uh, next week with some uh, new interviews. but thank you so much David and have a great day. Thank you Antoine. No problem. thank you.